Hey, welcome back, fellow metalheads. I'm your host, Mike, and on this episode of our In Conversation With series, I chat with a band who chose to evolve through the hardships experienced during the year of 2020. Curtis Jeffrey and Peter Bacci from No Light Escapes discuss how their unconventional sound came to be, their story of resilience that led to changing the band's name from Technical Damage to No Light Escapes, and the positive mindset pushing the band forward, which will also be featured on the new album, The Purity of Grief, out May 5th. Let's go. So welcome everybody back to the GWN Metal Podcast. Today we have a special guest, kind of a, a newer band, uh, kind of a rebranded band, which I think is very interesting. And so today on the show we have Curtis Jeffrey and Peter Bacci from No Light Escapes, previously known as Technical Damage. And so today we're going to hit on a bunch of different cool things around their new rebranded band. What does that mean? How their 2020 has gone? and the future of this new project. So Curtis and Peter, thanks for joining us. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. How are you doing? We're doing really well. Yeah, doing amazing. It's a sunny day in Vancouver, which is uh, kind of rare. So <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I wanted to start off the, the conversation with actually talking to you guys about uh, the first and only time uh, I saw you guys play. So I don't know if you remember, but um, I think it was in 2019, Rain Seated Recorders did like a, like an open house. Right. Yeah. And then there was a, like a show afterwards. And um, yeah, I remember going to that show. It was the first time seeing you guys. And this was under the Technical Damage brand. Um, yeah. First time I heard your stuff. thought it was really cool. Obviously, very progressive. Um, stage presence and energy was really high, which was always nice to see in a live setting. So uh, I'm really, really excited to kind of dive into the progression of what has happened with the band from that time to now. Yeah, it's been a long time, 2019 till now. There's a lot of things have changed since then. Um, but I, yeah, I remember that show. That was the show where we were playing and we played with like, yeah, the guys in Truant and uh, Pound. And whenever you play before Pound, you know, you're <laughs> just, you, you expect to get your ass kicked immediately after you get off the stage and then those guys show up. So now that, that was a, I'm glad that you brought that one up. That was a good show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was funny. Cause I think, uh, at, after the show was over a couple of days later or something, there was like this meme that surfaced of, uh, someone taking a shot of the crowd while pound was playing and everybody was just like, their mouth was open and they were just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. That was yeah, yeah, Peter Riccafrente. Yeah, that was the that was the big spread of the meme. I remember that so clearly. But that was great. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and so um, with the podcast, I always like to start off uh, by getting a little bit um, get a, getting a little bit of a sense of how you guys got into 
metal and hardcore because I know that that's a big part of your influence as well. Uh, so I'm just curious, you know, what, what was the what was the progression of that? How did you guys get into it? Peter, you want to start this one off? Okay, yeah. Uh, I think my story is going to be a bit different than most people. Uh, so just a bit of background. I grew up in a country called Bangladesh. Uh, we kind of got the 90s very late in 2000. Uh, so when, <laughs> okay. I was, uh, in early, <laughs> uh, when, when I was in my early teens, uh, 12, 13, maybe 14, uh, metal was huge. Uh, it was like, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't listen to metal, you're not the cool guy anymore. Like, you know, it's basically the exact opposite of over, over here from what I see, like for popular <laughs> culture wise, at least. So for me, it was more about me trying to get laid. And I started like, you know, <laughs> tried to get into metal. I fell in love with it at some point, And then it just became more than any of that. But for me, it was just like uh, every kid had long hair and had like a metallic or panther shirt on. So it is just kind of like you either that or you're just like a loser. <laughs> wow. Uh, for me, yeah, I remember, so with metal, um, you know, grew up listening, like, you know, being a millennial, but like early millennial, uh, growing up, it was funny because, um, I don't know, you, you might, some of you might remember this, um, but there is like Newgrounds. Do you remember Newgrounds? Those like flash websites. Um, but there was these flash websites online that had these animations and, um, you know, there was like stick death and a whole bunch of other kind of random animation videos that people would put up. And I remember being like eight or nine years old and, you know, needless to say eight or nine years old should not be on a site like that, but I was on a site like that. And, um, and this was right around probably 2000. And I remember one of these videos had uh, the sickness, they had down with the sickness by disturbed on mm. and um and so i uh i remember hearing it and being like what the hell is this and just like totally connecting with it on a on a on a level that i hadn't connected with it with you know groups that were out around that time like lincoln park um and like even you know the pop of the time like eminem so going to a record store and I'm looking uh, and I walk in there with my mom and I'm like nine years old at the time. And I walk over to like the disturbed section and uh, <laughs> my mom is like, Oh, a, a band called disturbed. And, uh, and I was like, yeah. So this was back when people were actually selling CDs and there was the parental advisory stickers on them. Mm. So my mom takes me up to the counter and there's some dude who's probably like friggin' 60 or 70 years old now, but he's standing behind the counter and uh yeah nine-year-old hands him you know the sickness and uh he looks at my mom and he's like are you sure you want to get this and my mom's like looks at me and she's like are you sure and i was like absolutely <laughs> and uh and then so it was kind of from there is how i picked up on yeah the disturbed and that led you know to slipknot um iowa that was right around the time that like that they were kind of starting to pick up steam they weren't super popular but they were starting to get bigger and uh, and then I discovered Strapping Young Lad, and then it was like pretty much just an umbrella of stuff. Um, hardcore. Hardcore is more recent. I've kind of discovered more hardcore over the past 10, 15 years, and then sort of worked my way back. A lot of it's been shown to me through people who I know, and I was listening to it, and I was like, how did I miss this? So yeah, groups like, you know, Earth Crisis, Cro-Mags, um, 
uh, what's like uh, Turmoil. There's a few bands that I've been really into recently, and it's been informing our sound as we continue to move forward. But yeah, it's kind of it. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, as Peter mentioned, it's like two different worlds, right, of, of how metal uh, came into our lives, which is really interesting. And uh, Curtis, you started touching on something that I was curious about, too, which was around like the the like the influences that your band has. And so we're going to get into, you know, what the music sounds like today in a bit. But, you know, in, in kind of like the early stages of deciding, you know, to form a band in the first place, what were some of the musical influences that you guys had for, for your own sound? Well, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't around for the early, early founding of the band. So I think Peter can speak towards the, the origins. Uh, okay. So the it's, it was a long process. Uh, uh, so basically it started when I moved to Canada and I kind of just didn't know how to speak the language very well. And I couldn't really make friends, uh, but I wanted to play. And my brother at the time, he really wanted to be a drummer, but he had no idea how to play the instrument very well, or he didn't take any lessons. So, you know, we ended up buying a kid and just like kind of DIY yourself. So me and him started trying to play a lot of Pantera and Lab of God uh, in our basement. and that kind of went on for a while. We kind of had like a few friends come in in the meantime over the years and just it never really clicked uh, till uh, we found Chris on Craigslist one day and we brought him in and, you know, we started jamming the three of us in guitar, drums and bass. And then Harrison went to school with Michael. Michael at the time was taking jazz, some jazz courses in Capilano and Harrison was in the same classes. So he kind of came in. And that kind of like influenced our, uh, the way we sound because me and Michael had a very, the groove metal background, Chris had a kind of like a death metal, old school metal background. And Harry had the most, most like more modern sound. Like he was listening to a lot of August Burns Red and that kind of band. So that kind of influence like gelled together. And we created the first EP, which was Damaged Nation. We wrote the entire thing. We recorded it. And then we went looking for vocal so Kurt he just kind of wrote the lyrics and sang over it uh so that's what that particular EP sounds a very it sounds really different from what we sound like now it's just because Curtis wasn't part of the writing process and since then our taste has changed like I barely listen to groove metal per se uh um my music influence has been heavily influenced by Curtis and Harry like whatever they listened to kind of just became my music taste over time. Mm. So yeah. it sounds like, uh, you know, over the years, once you started discovering newer and newer bands, all of those started influencing the music itself. And so in a way, it's it's almost like every time that you go back to the writing board, there is something new to add to the table and something maybe to take away. Yep. Yeah, I think um, for sure a big... Uh, I know for for me, when you talk about bands that inspired us to start, uh, for me, it was interesting because I was in this grunge rock band in like, you know, 2012. And it was, if I could, uh, if I could describe it in any word, (laughs) it would, it was just a, it was a gong show in that it was uh, a lot of kind of learning through, you know, they always say you learn through mistakes, but we made like some cataclysmic mistakes in terms of how we were spending money how we were promoting ourselves 
and I became like really disillusioned with uh, just playing music in general because I was just frustrated in that one uh, one negative experience basically made me be like I am never playing in a band again mm. and uh, so four years passed and it was 2016 I think was the year uh, and 2016 it was in the early summer I went and I went to go see one of my favorite bands, one of the bands that's really influenced our sound, which is Misery Signals. And um, they were playing at the Biltmore. And one of the bands that was opening for them was a local band. And I was like, who the hell are these guys? Like, this, this is some underground newer band that's absolutely shredding and people are going ballistic. And I'm like, like who who are these guys and what are they doing? And, uh, and then I, I went, went up to the merch table afterwards and um, it was Neck of the Woods. And um, and I had a chance to to kind of briefly talk with some of the guys in the band, and uh, I mean they're it's funny they're they're good friends of ours now actually, but um, it was those guys seeing seeing Neck of the Woods alive was what kind of revitalized the entire idea of a of a local band to me. So Harrison and I have been playing music together for the past ten years, and eventually uh, he was like, "Yeah, we're looking for a vocalist," and I was like, "Shit, well, uh, you know, I'll come out, I'll." I'll I'll do an audition and it's like Peter said they they had a record there um like they they had a record ready to go and so I just came in and in two to three days I laid down the vocals for it and that was how the EP came to be damn and uh for for you Curtis did you like when you first started the the grunge band you were also the singer in that band no I was the bass player in that band um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, that band was, um, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe it, but it was a, it was very much like, I think about, you know, technical damage, no light escape. So much of what we do has been informed by, the, by, you know, screwing up and then fixing those things later. Um, but the thing was about the grunge rock band is that it was just like nonstop screwing up and not fixing it afterwards. Mm. Um, but that, that really helped me kind of frame, um, how I wanted to proceed if I was going to be in this band. And I was like, yeah, I just want something casual, something chill, like just to play. And then of course that did not happen at all. It did not become chill. It did not become casual. Uh, it became pretty, uh, we became quite invested in what we were doing. So, yeah. And so uh, talking about the first iteration of the band, so Technical Damage, um, right now it's branded as modern metal meets hardcore and experimental music. And so, Peter, you kind of touched on a little bit and how, you know, everybody had a little bit of a different background in, in their sound, right? From jazz to death metal to, you know, grunge, groove metal and stuff like that. And so what I'm really curious about is like when you when you first started writing, how did you even decide on like what the songs were going to sound like? Because there were so many different influences. Like at the beginning, were you intentionally trying to create something that was a mix of everything or did it just kind of come out that way? Uh, the first EP, uh, I kind of wrote a couple of the songs. Uh, it, we never wrote like what we do right now. We kind of just write together or actually Curtis and Harry did most of the writing for the new album. But introspect was more uh, of, I would say collaborative. It's like more open to of mixing things together. Uh, this one, it has a share of it. But the first EP was just like there's no collaboration whatsoever. First EP, I wrote two songs. Chris wrote one song. Um, 
and then just hey you want to play a solo do this there kind of deal so if you listen to the first album first e weird like you can songs are by me just because of the playing style and the one of harry because that's the most modern sounding one and the most heaviest song i think we have written not in that ep but to this day is uh the snow cover of footstep which was written by chris so you can see his extra metal influence in it yeah just to kind of jump in um that first ep is very like you know you talk about watching something kind of start and then grow up uh i was in no way shape or form involved in any of the the composition and the arrangements of the uh the songs on that ep uh the way that it happened more or less was uh harrison sent me a bunch of the tracks that were instrumentals to me and then said um hey we don't really have any vocal lines or any lyrics for this um why don't you come out and jam so I did, and I laid down a bunch of like super rough stuff. I look back on it now, and I feel like a lot of vocalists do that. They, they look back and they're like, what the hell was I thinking? I could have done so much of a better job. Um, but you know, looking back on it, uh, it was a very kind of crash course in terms of writing real metal vocals to some, what were some actually pretty um, complex songs to write to. Uh, Peter brought up The Snow Will Cover My Footsteps, and yeah, one of my favorite songs I think that we've ever written, um, especially under the technical damage name. Uh, it was just really, really heavy, um, and we actually had Ki- uh, Casey from Angel Maker do a guest spot on that uh, song, uh, and uh, it was cool because, again, you look back on it, you're like, wow, what a great tune. And I look back on it, and I'm like, damn, it could have been so much better if I had actually known what I was really doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't a ton of collaboration that happened on that record. But as time moved forward, it became much more of a collaborative piece. Mm-hmm. So how did things change when recording Introspect? Uh, well, introspect, um, I remember we recorded the EP and what happened was afterwards we were saying like, okay, how are we going to, um, how do we want to sort of, uh, introduce the new music? And so I was a lot more involved in the writing process of the introspect. Um, and it was sort of a, a division of, of labor in the sense that Harrison took over quite a bit of the songwriting process. I did as well. Um, Peter, definitely you know he actually wrote one of the the cool tunes on that record um but that was when we officially started saying like okay uh what happens if we cross like you know reggae music or ska music with like drop a flat seven string guitar tuning (laughs) um or what happens if we bring in flamenco guitar um but then blend it in with like uh you know some progressive metal uh and that was sort of when we started dipping our feet into the uh, into the experimental sounds. And, um, I mean, for me, I've, I've always been more of the writing bangers. Like that's kind of like my thing, uh, reflections is one of the tunes that I wrote. And that tune is all about just basically kicking ass. Um, but Harrison is more of the guy that will take a look at a song and be like, okay, where's, where's the interesting weird stuff that I could weave into it. And he does a really great job of it. So. Peter, your, your thoughts on introspection. Uh, Introspect was great record in a way. This is the first time I actually got to see Curtis write songs. And I don't know, I haven't really worked with many vocal uh, vocalists who do stuff like that. Uh, he kind of introduced me of a way to write songs. 
which was using Guitar Pro. I wasn't using Guitar Pro prior to this. I was just kind of like sitting down with my guitar and just kind of like, you know, jamming it out, see what comes out and write down in a piece of paper, record it on my phone. Uh, Curtis uh, kind of taught me how to just be very organized about it. Uh, so he was the first one, I think. I know Harry did a little bit, but Curtis was the first one to write the entire song in his vision, like the drum parts and the guitars and the bass. Uh, so that kind of changed the dynamic of writing song going forward. So for me, introspect plays a special part because it kind of changed the entire way the band operated when it came to when it comes to writing songs. Uh, and it's also like first time I actually started playing like you know the modern metal influence that Curtis brings into the band with the you know the bangers as he call it, which I love the term by the way, uh, the the core and the death core that he brings and yeah. So introspect, I think, shaped us as a band the way we are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I do, I do remember when I first heard the the album, uh, Curtis, as you mentioned, right? Like every single song feels like its own journey, and you don't really know what you're going to get with the next one, and so it's really interesting to see, you know, some of those unconventional sounds coming into the mix, and uh, I'm sure for some people that are not as used to like you know, progressive styles of metal or music in general, it might be kind of jarring, right? Because it goes from something that's more uh, like tech depth sounding or gent sounding to flamenco or reggae all of a sudden, and then it bounces back. Um, but it's something that is very, very creative. And one of the things that I think uh, this points to is the success of your band to like weave all of these things together and not having it sound completely messed up right and just like disjointed which i thought was really really cool in this record and so what i wanted to touch on now is how the influences from that album have changed or some of it has moved into the new project so now called no light escapes so um what has stayed the same and what have you guys decided to change well, like, I mean, the songwriting process in a lot of ways has stayed the same in the way that uh, Peter kind of touched on it. Um, what what will happen is like, I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll hear something in my head or I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll get this idea. And then I basically sit down uh, and with a guitar and I'll play it. Um, and then I'll be like, okay, so how can I fit this into a tune and then I'll sit down, I'll write it and then I'll fire it off to Harrison in a guitar profile and I'll say like, dude, I need help coming up with guitar leads because Harrison, Harrison's very good with like his music theory and just kind of knowing his, knowing his shit on that front. And, um, and I, <laughs> my music theory does, does not, is not expansive. Um, so I'll just say like, Hey man, I really need a lead in this section. Can you help me out with this? And so he'll fire it back to me. And then what kind of what happens is drum arrangements are made, um, you know, other guitar parts, transitions, those things are done. Uh, and then essentially what happens is uh, a song comes into fruition. And that started with, um, that started on the introspect stuff and it really, really got turned up um, for the next upcoming record where we kind of took all of the, took all the lessons that we had learned with the introspect. And then we said, okay, how can we just inject um, how can we take what we learned, all the all the mistakes, all the good things, uh, and basically meld it into a single project? So the the songwriting 
Uh, I would say that on this new record, a lot of the process has stayed the same. Um, we've definitely turned up the experimental music uh, up to a up to a new level. Um, we're we're really we're really um, bouncing back and forth between some some interesting genres and ideas on this record. Uh, I would say that we very much turned up the hardcore influences on the band. Uh, you can very much hear that in the new record. Um, a lot of it being the fact that I've started getting into more hardcore recently, so it's kind of informed the direction of the creative writing process. Um, but at the same time, we still want to, we're still holding on to that modern metal sound. You know, you're after the burials, you're born of Osiris, that kind of, those sorts of groups of bands that have that, uh, that have that precision and that sick songwriting. Um, and so really what it is, is it's just an evolution. Um, I wouldn't say like, even though it's a rebranding, um, in terms of like a name change, I wouldn't really say that as, uh, rebranding as much as it is like a natural stage of evolution for us got it yeah okay so before we dive into kind of like what uh what to expect in this next record a little bit deeper i went through some of your social media posts a little bit earlier and uh as i mentioned i i really really appreciate the the way that you've gone about explaining how things happened in 2020 and then how we got to this point. But for those listening that haven't actually looked at that, I wanted to go back and hear your guys' perspective of how 2020 went for you. And so starting at, you know, you guys had a really large tour planned. You were going to uh, be showcasing the introspect to different markets across Canada, the US, and then pandemic hits and everything grinds to a halt. So can you take us back and kind of explain what your thought process was uh, when that happened? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, it's something that I think about every day. Well, not every day per se, but something I think about a lot. Um, yeah, so 2020, uh, 2019, like I, I kind of got to rewind it a bit. Um, but September 2019, we found out by this time, all of 2019, we had sat down. Um, the introspect was a really interesting record, um, but it was very rushed. Uh, the production quality was not the level that we wanted it to be. Uh, it's actually hard to listen to the songs now because of that. Um, and it was uh, the introspect we felt was kind of like almost a. It was, we more or less picked up, um, you know, we played a bunch of shows in early 2019 and then we're like, okay, we're going to get started. We're going to go find a new producer. We're going to go find a new person um, and we're going to basically start writing the next record. That's how we found Tim, um, who we can probably talk about later. Uh, but what we more or less started doing is we started doing pre-production and that was something that we had never really done before uh, in terms of like actually sitting down with a guitar and like a uh, like a digital, you know, audio workspace like Reaper. Um, and Harrison would come over, and Harrison and I probably spent anywhere between you know forty to sixty hours, basically crunching out what ended up being, you know, between fifteen to twenty songs. Mm. And what happened was we were like, okay, so we're gonna do an eight song record, uh, but we're gonna you know we're gonna make we're gonna fight amongst ourselves to see what eight songs are the absolute best of the twenty. So we spent a lot of time basically crunching that out. 
Uh, and in September, I found out that we had received a grant from the province of British Columbia, the Amplified BC grant, um, for a pretty big chunk of change. Uh, the, the kind of chunk of change that can have like a really big influence on the trajectory of a group. So it was like September rolls around. We've been spending this time and we're basically, we have this amazing product in hand. Um, Tim had been working on, uh, you know, finishing up his stuff with Misery Signals and doing that. And so we were heading into the studio to basically begin tracking everything in December 2019. December 2019 is when I started reaching out and putting out feelers uh, to a few of um, bands that I knew and promoters that I knew in Western Canada because I knew that we were going to be... Um, I knew that what we had to do was that if we really wanted to maximize everything that we possibly wanted out of this project, uh, we would need to bring a full arsenal of goodies to the table. And that basically meant we would need to be playing shows that were promoting the introspects throughout the spring. And then eventually we would need to do a larger release tour in the summer when we had originally planned to drop the purity of grief. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is I was spending a lot of time uh, like pff, between the recording um, of the actual record, Harrison spent a lot of time doing guitars with Tim, but between that period of time, I was, uh, you know, lots of emails, lots of texting, lots of tour route planning, lots of kind of communicating back and forth with, you know, okay, how are we going to, you know, so how are we going to get to and from, how are we going to make like a tour itinerary that makes sense? So planning, planning, planning. And then it was in late January when we kind of started hearing these these whispers about this whole COVID-19 thing. Um, but again, it was like a very, you know, far off in the distance. At first, I thought it was going to be something like H1N1, mm -hmm. um, where it was just like a part of life, but people, you know, still just like it was dealt with, right? So that didn't really, um, that that did not pop into my head at all. The whole idea of COVID-19 was something that was completely not on my radar in any way, shape, or form um, in the level of, like, this could, you know, obliterate future plans. Uh, and I don't think it was for anyone, really. But we ended up, um, so we were recording, 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 and it was actually probably, and by this time I had about seven shows booked, actually right around this time. Uh, probably two weeks from now, we had about seven shows booked throughout Western Canada where we were going to tour the introspect and at the end of every show or at the merch table or whatever, we were going to kind of poke people and be like, hey, we got this new record coming out and it's sick. Um, you know, make sure that you, you know, scan the QR code in our merch table so you could follow our pages and do all that stuff because we're going to be releasing our new music soon. Um, so it was kind of like a hype train. And uh, we were supposed to go on tour with this band um, called Ugly. They, they're awesome. Um, Balin and the dudes in that group are really great. They're from Kelowna. And we were about to hit the road. And it was actually probably, yeah, it was around this time. We had shows booked in New West, in Vancouver, um, in the, uh, the interior, on the island. We had a whole bunch of shows booked up. And then all of a sudden, you know, shows started getting canceled. Um, and we were kind of like, oh, what is happening? Around the same time, I was reaching out to the VMA, and we had actually begun, Peter could probably remember this, we had actually sat down at, um, at Harrison's apartment, and we were signing the applications for our P2 visas to go down to the United States uh, to tour in June, July, and um, we were hanging out, and, uh, and I, was, I had the paperwork and the money in hand sitting on my table. 
uh, in my office at home. And uh, that was when we started getting emails from the promoters basically saying like, oh yeah, uh, just just a heads up that we're hearing things about, you know, uh, we might not be able to host shows soon because of this, this coronavirus thing. And we were like, oh, okay, well, we'll just wait it out. And eventually Balin and I, had a conversation and we said, you know what, we probably shouldn't do this because it would really suck to drive all the way out to like Edmonton and then have to turn around. Um, and so what ended up happening was we sort of made the decision to, to call off the Vernal Thaw tour. So that was all of March. We, we basically canned the entire tour uh, because people like the shows just started dropping like flies. And then the border closed and I called the VMA and I was like, so what do you guys think? Like what's happening? And they were like, honestly, um, you guys should put it on hold because I don't, we don't think the border is opening up anytime soon. And uh, so more or less what happened was in the span of about 10 days, uh, the plans that we had for 2020, the plans that we'd been given money for that I had proposed to Creative VC um, just completely fell through entirely. Uh, everything, uh, yeah, because we had one tour in the spring, we had uh, a release date planned and a release show ready to go, actually, uh, at the end of June, and we were going to play with uh, of Modern Architecture and The Winning Light, which are like two of the sickest bands in the Lower Mainland, um, and we were going to play a show with those dudes, and uh, things things just fell apart within the span of two weeks. Uh, after probably three, four months of prep and what was going to probably be another two months of prep. Um, and it was just, then Tim messaged us and he's like, yeah, you know, the studio is shutting down. Um, so we can't continue production for this month. And so it was like, we were pedal to the metal from basically December all the way up to the first week of June. And then everything, it was just like you threw a switch and everything just flatlined. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was I thinking at the time? Um I was devastated, to be totally honest with you. Um, 2020 was supposed to be this year. Because, you know, you're, when you're a small band, you're kind of, you go through trials and tribulations, right? Uh, you go through kind of like playing, you know, these big shows. Like you play like a, you know, our gig with Neck of the Woods in Vancouver is one of my favorite shows that we played. Um, and then, you know, when we played a sold out show in Kelowna, that was awesome too. But then, you know, you play like those kind of whatever shows where no one really shows up and it's like, um, so this was supposed to be where we took that kind of, you know, being an average local band to being something that at least like a fairly well-known name, like that was supposed to be our thing. And um, basically that just completely cut like cut us off. Um, and we were back to eight, both square one and not being able to finish recording the album that we were doing at that time. So it was uh, plans crumbling in front of me. Uh, when you have a labor of love and it starts to fall through, the only way that you can kind of describe it is, is heartbreaking. Yeah, man, that's, that's a crazy, crazy story, man. And uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of bands out there may have experienced something similar. But to hear your side of it, I mean, it's 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 really it's really interesting for me, right? Because you know, I don't I don't play in a band or anything, but I care so much about the scene and making sure that you know bands like yourselves that are really pushing it, like really trying to make something out of it, have an opportunity to do so, right? And so, um, 
despite all of this, this just like train wreck of a year, essentially, of plans falling through and everything. One thing that I noticed is that you guys basically took it upon yourselves once you figured out, okay, there's nothing else that we can do here to save those plans and pivoted completely, right? And tried to figure out a way to make something good come out of the situation. You mentioned in, in, in I think, Instagram or something about uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. I totally agree with that statement. And so uh, I'm curious to hear now, you know, once you guys made that decision of like, okay, let's let's turn this around. How did you guys do that? And what steps did you take in order to kind of get out of that space? Well, and the way to think about it is, um, you know, the conversation about rebranding from technical damage to low to, like no light escapes is very, um, very much a conversation that resembles uh, what we're going through as a, as a society right now. Um, in the way of like, sure, there's a vaccination campaign rolling out in Canada. Um, you know, there's there's certain signs of, of hope that we might be turning a corner around the pandemic. Um, but the reality is, man, is that you and I, we have no idea, right? You and I, like at the end of the at the end of the day, whether it's variants or or further social restrictions or you know upticks in cases. Monday can look completely different from Friday. Like, end of next week, I wouldn't be surprised if there was just a giant coronavirus monster walking down the streets of Vancouver, tearing buildings <laughs> down. Because, you know, it's like, it's, it was just, uh, it, you know, the reality of everything in 2020, what it basically taught us is like, anything can happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, and I think right now, as a, as a, you know, as Canadians, especially, I think we're kind of just living through what is essentially bleak acceptance uh, in the way it's like, this is just the way things are now. And, um, you know, there's a, for us, it was like, again, we had just been, it was just such this emotional high of, uh, and we had also gotten, um, we had also gotten offers to play some amazing festivals, uh, metal festivals in the summer, which is a big deal for us because we, we, we went to those festivals and we would point at the stage and be like, I want to be on that stage. Mm. And then all of a sudden we get the emails and it's like, yeah, you guys want to play? And we were like, hell yeah, like totally. Um, and then it's like, okay, COVID-19, sorry, uh, the festival's canceled. And so it was one of those, it was one of those situations where, um, I would say that it came from a place of um, the the rebirthing of the no light escapes process and never letting a good crisis go to waste was founded mostly in um, anger, I'd say, towards the world. Um, you know, it was founded in the sense of like, we've lost control of something that we thought that we had complete control over. And, uh, and it was something where we, and I feel like a lot of bands are going through this, it was something where we felt like we were just at the mercy of the world, mm. um, at the mercy of, of uh, provincial health directions that, uh, and at the mercy of kind of basically just a virus that was spreading to and from people. And uh, that's only kind of gotten worse in waves. So, you know, earlier last year, July, August, we're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, things are improving. Hopefully we'll have live shows come back later this year. And then obviously we got hit with that wave in November. And it was probably right around that time in September, October, November, where we just said, guys, um, like the table that is set for us, we don't like we don't like it. So what what can we do to possibly 
change this and the response that the five of us kind of gave was you know what we're gonna flip the table um and so what happened and flipping the table what that basically meant was rebranding the band from technical damage which we felt was a an older an older kind of iteration of what we were doing as a musical project um and we said uh we're going to take back the power um that covid stole away from us and we're going to be resilient we're not going to be victims um getting up and looking at our social media pages isn't going to depress us anymore we're not going to take that um of course we're going to be following you know public health orders and doing all that stuff because that's kind of our um our obligation to to the people around us but what are we going to do in order to continue improving us in our careers and uh yeah that's that's how no light escapes came to be is it just came back from um taking the power back and uh and finding a new sense of direction and a new sense of hope and also because uh no light escape sounds a lot better than technical damage so yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I mean i commend you guys you know for for taking that that massive leap right um this is a time where a lot of bands from what i can tell have gone one of two paths right one which is kind of giving into that sorrow right that loss and staying stagnant right in general i mean you know the pandemic is terrible it affected a lot of people's lives not only bands and that's an understandable way of dealing with it but you chose the other path right the the one of you know rebranding rebirth figuring out a way to get out of it and so uh it's not easy and uh yeah i commend you guys for for trying and actually now right pulling it off with with you know the new release coming out soon so um just briefly uh what does uh the name no light escapes mean to you guys now well it was funny because we sat down we're like all right we're changing your name what are we going to change it to and you know we probably wrote down i don't know peter like 50 names and we wrote down a whole bunch of names um and eventually what kind of happened is we noticed a trend like i'm not really into i'm not a big sci-fi dude like i'm not really like you know there's bands like the human abstract or whatever and they're kind of all these uh you know fairly complex uh sci-fi sort of names and harrison and chris were really gravitated towards that and they were into that um and uh but I, I'm a big fan of, of hardcore music. And so kind of the whole idea of, uh, you know, we got talking about black holes and I was like, Hey, there's actually this really sick converge song off of, uh, um, all we leave, all we love, we leave behind. And, uh, and it's called no light escapes. So I pitched it to them and I was like, look, this is kind of a happy medium between your guys's desire for this kind of thematic thing that relates to something, um, you know complex and this is kind of me just this is us paying tribute to these roots in our band that are you know especially influenced by bands like converge um and uh so no light escapes was uh it's it was cool because it was a it was a it resembles and it sort of symbolizes the natural evolution of our band's sound and also just the maturation of our band going from technical damage to no light escapes mm-hmm yeah, were there any like uh really crazy sci-fi names that 
when you saw it, you immediately shut it down. You're like, no, nah, man, we can't do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was there was a few of them that we looked at. and Because what we did is we basically created an Excel spreadsheet and we listed or like a and we basically just people. I, it was a shared document. So I was like, OK, guys, go throw in your names and then we'll kind of just like take votes or we'll explain the rationale behind them. And so some of the ones that we saw in there, I was like, like, like one of them, I think, was Mind Mirror. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and I actually, I think it might've been me that pitched that one. Uh, nice. but it was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is kind of bizarre. I'm not really into it, but everyone was like, Oh, I'm so stoked on that. Um, but eventually, yeah, like I said, happy medium between something that's like a, something like theoretical, but also something that pays an homage to, uh, a band that we really respect and are inspired by. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So the last piece about the album that I wanted to touch on was, um, kind of, you know, what, what you guys hope for, uh, people get out of it. And so this is both, you know, older fans of your music, but also the newer fans that are going to come in because the sound has changed. Um, yeah. Like what, what are you hoping people get out of it either in terms of just the musicality behind the, the new record or, uh, your lyrics for this record, Curtis? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, this album, it was interesting earlier, you talked about cohesion. Uh, and listening to records and being like, oh, you know, this album, it's like, or these songs, it's kind of like there's a journey from beginning to end. And it's something different in each tune. And um, so we went in to write this this album. And the way that I kind of treated it from a lyrical standpoint was it's kind of like a, it's almost like an anthology. So it's, it's not like a concept record um, in the sense that there's a storyline that follows, but it is all thematically tied together by the idea of um, of grief and uh, and trauma and uh things that you know we're kind of finally as a as a society beginning to trend towards and recognizing what it is and dealing with it and in a way that uh in a way that hopefully we can find closure on but you know one of the tunes that's on the record talks about uh you know i'm a teacher like a high school teacher um but like that's my day job and uh one of the songs that is on the record is about how uh, I got laid off last year. And when you're, when you do a job like teaching, you invest so much emotion into your job and so much energy into your job. So to basically be given a notice where it's like, Hey, we don't have any more money for you. You've been laid off and everything you've given back into this community is basically like, okay, go somewhere else. And, um, and good luck. It was like, you know, that, that moment I was like, Oh my God, this hurts so bad. So one of one of our tunes, and you'll listen to it, and you'll be like, "Well, this doesn't sound like a song that's all about getting laid off by at your job," um, but it uh, it is, uh, and uh, and I think that my hope is that people are gonna people are going to connect with that. I hope that people will be able to connect with the idea that it's like you know the what we're going through right now is we're, we're going through some shit. Uh, we're all going through some really, really, really tough times, not being able to see our families, our friends. We're having more time to kind of reflect on our own inner demons. Um, we're having times to that are really amplifying these problems that we have internally. Um, but that getting through that is a prof- process. And I know um, for a lot of people right now, it feels like the world ended on March 15th, 2020. And... Um, the the reality is is that we need to we all collectively need to go through the the stages of grief and uh and going through that process and finally reaching 
acceptance. Uh, there is something there is something very pure about coming out on the other side, knowing uh, that you have survived this and that you've um, you've found that internal resilience. So I hope people get that out of the record, and I also hope that people just are able to just blast that shit and like run through glass doors and do all kinds of crazy stuff to that record because it's heavy as hell. Uh, and I hope that when we play it, people are going to be going absolutely ballistic in the crowd uh, when eventually live shows come back. So that's the other <laughs> the other side of that coin. But totally. Yeah. yeah. And then Peter, on your side, uh, what what do you hope people get out of the the record? I mean, there's nothing more that I can really add after Curtis. Uh, a lot of time and passion went into this record. Uh, uh, lyrically, I've read some of the lyrics, and it's, it's actually a big step up, uh, even from Introspect, which is which uh, Reshape was my favorite lyrics of all time, by written by Curtis. So, uh, yeah, I think the album, if, if you liked us, you're going to love us now, just because the album is a big step up. Even uh, I was impressed how it came out. And, you know, we all worked hard. And the biggest shout-out has to go to Tim. I think uh, he molded us. Uh, we could never fin- do enough takes on the record. There's always one more take. Uh, and just the constant... Uh, his passion to make us sound good, which kind of pushed us to sound better. And, yeah, I think this album is definitely the best thing we've done so far as a band. Awesome. Yeah. And so at this point, um, there is one single out called Ruminate. Uh, honestly, guys, I haven't been able to stop listening to that. It's fucking awesome. And uh, <laughs> thanks, friend. Yeah. It's, again, it's it's kind of it has everything that I remember I liked from technical damage, right? Like the whole journey aspect. But you're playing now with like neoclassical type of stuff. There's different effects in the music, which I know is intentional. Um, you guys mentioned the production value, right? This one production value is top notch. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of it. And uh, the full album, The Purity of Grief will be coming out May 5th. And so uh, when that's out, I'll make sure to um, share it with everybody else. And I'll include all your guys' links right now uh, below in the show notes so people can check your stuff out uh, right before that comes out. Fabulous. Yeah, and we're dropping um, we're dropping a few singles um, in between now and then. Uh, whenever the, uh, hopefully, when the, you know, keep posted um, for those that are listening. Stay, stay tuned to kind of what's going to be on all of our channels because there's going to be video content rolling out. Um, we're going to have... Uh, two singles in absentia and cascade uh leading up to the album release uh in absentia is an absolute tribute to those those hardcore influence i was talking about cascade it's like that modern metal sound that we uh that we that we know and we love so i hope people really connect with that and i hope people really um i hope people find it in their hearts to uh if you know to to find a cathartic experience through our music in this time of where we need catharsis more than ever. All right. And so just to kind of round things off here for this uh, episode of the podcast, um, I wanted to touch a little bit on the scene and how it stands today. So one of the things that I'm curious to know from your guys' perspective is, you know, for fans that, um, obviously can't go to shows and can't have that experience with the idea of continuously like buying 
music. So right now we have like Bandcamp Fridays, for example, right? So people can can more directly contribute to the music. What other ways do you think fans can contribute to helping their bands during this time? Well, you know, I would say that there's two things that come to the top of my head. Um, the first is like, you know, everyone's got a tough time in terms of spending money right now. Money is tight because of various reasons. And I completely 100% understand and respect that. Um, and not everyone can do things like buy shirts. But what you can do is um, even, you know, if we if we or any other bands make a post or say something on our social media or we drop a single Honestly, man, just hitting the like button or dropping a comment goes a, it's, it's 30 seconds of your time, if that, and it goes a huge way to contributing to uh, where we kind of, um, you know, where we sort of fall within Instagram and Facebooks and whatever's engagement rate, and that increases our presence on those platforms. Uh, the second thing is giving us a follow on our streaming platforms. And just, if you like what you heard on Ruminate, uh, or in the upcoming singles, just hit that save button. Similar thing. Uh, the virtual world is very much dominated right now by like how many hooks that you can sink into people. Um, and so you don't need to like buying our merch obviously would be awesome, but you know what, just, just reach out and, uh, engage with us in any way, shape or form and do that with any band. And I think that you're gonna, um, I think that if you can do that, you're giving a big push to some bands that are trying to get their, uh, get their feet off the ground, especially after such a tough time. In terms of, you know, just kind of spreading the love around for our local scene here in Vancouver, or, you know, just bands in general from across Canada, uh, I always like to end things off with giving you guys a platform to shout out some of your favorite bands or just, you know, some friends in the industry. Uh, so is there anybody in particular that you'd like to give a shout out to? Yeah, um, for sure. We have ran a really tight ship with the purity of grief. Um, and basically the whole idea when I was looking for people to be a part of this project was I wanted them to be as invested in it as we are. Um, so I want to give a shout out to Tim Creviston, who, uh, as Peter mentioned, pushed us so hard in the studio to be good and to be better. Um, and we've come out, we've you know, come out of that experience as better musicians and as better songwriters. And if you have not listened to his stuff that he's produced for bands, like get your ass on it because it is awesome. Uh, the other person I want to give a shout out to is the person that has been behind all of our artwork uh, for the record. And that's uh, Taylor Beadle from Abysmal Arts. Um, she does amazing stuff. She loves working for bands. She designs our merch. She does our single artwork. She's done our album artwork. Um, she's really put her heart and soul into our stuff too. Um, and so, uh, she's awesome. And then, yeah, lastly, just a shout out to all the killer local bands that are really trying to push through. So neck of the woods, the Howard catharsis, truant, no faith in fortune, uh, you know, all of the bands that we've had the pleasure of, of playing with and uh, we're looking forward to seeing once the world resumes back to normal. So make sure you check their shit out. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to, to link their stuff too uh, in the, in the show notes so people can uh, more easily look at their stuff as well. And awesome. so, um, yeah, so the final words for, for our podcast, I love to end everything with this question. Um, and this goes to both of you. So we'll start with Peter. Uh, what does metal music mean to you personally? Uh, 
for me, it's been, uh, I know it sounds super cheesy, but it's been uh, a savior. Uh, as I mentioned before, I fell in love with the music once, uh, I think I really fell in love when I moved to Canada and I have like no friends because I couldn't speak the language. And uh, the only thing that kept me going was the music, uh, metal music. It shaped my views uh, since then. Uh, I kind of lost faith in religion because of the song Fucking Hostel by Pantera, just because I read the lyrics, uh, just because it made sense to me. Uh, so for me, it's it's basically my existence at this point. It shaped who I am. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, metal music is like so many people are like, oh, you know, metal music is great because it's intense. Um, and, you know, it is intense. And outside of the scene, I... I live a pretty, you know, chill lifestyle. Um, and I'd say that most of the people who I know don't actually listen to metal music, but I've been listening to metal since I was, uh, you know, in the single digits when it comes to age. And uh, I was a pretty, I was a pretty weird kid. I'm a pretty, pretty weird teenager and a pretty weird adult. Um, but uh, the one beautiful thing about metal is that it's been able to, uh, the intensity uh, and the intention of metal has been able to, match the emotional intensity that I've felt um, throughout my entire life. And so what metal means to me is that uh, it makes it, I don't feel alone um, in my, in myself and in my heart and uh, in my mind when I listen to heavy music and, uh, and it's always been an anchor for me. So um, like I said, I hope that uh, I hope that people are going to be able to get through this and I hope people know that uh, you know, at the end of the day, whatever happens, um, no light escapes. Uh, we, we, our message to you guys is that we, uh, we hope that you find that, that solace and that connection within the heavy music that we're going to be putting out there. Amazing. Great answers guys. And I really, really appreciate the conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. And so, uh, everybody again, check out the new band, no light escapes. Their sophomore album, The Purity of Grief, will be coming out on May 5th, 2021. And there's quite a few singles coming out and some new merch on its way. So thanks again, guys, for making the time. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having us. Christ,